0: Welcome to the Radio Rabbi Program. We did it. Thanks to all of you who contributed to our GoFundMe initiative. Thanks to you, the Radio Rabbi Program is back on the air. We plan to broadcast the Radio Rabbi Program as a podcast that will air twice a month. Look for our announcement on Facebook so that all of you can tune into the podcast, which will appear on our website, rabbibarbara.com. As the Radio Rabbi Program begins its 16th year, our mission is still the same. The Radio Rabbi is designed to bring listeners of all Jewish backgrounds, along with listeners of all different faiths, a lively program that features Jewish culture, tradition, timely topics, and interesting guests. And now, Rabbi Barbara Ayello, your Radio Rabbi.
1: Shalom and Boker Tov and Chag too, because it is almost the festival of Shavuot. Hello and welcome to the Radio Rabbi program. We're podcasting now and we are very happy to have you with us. Listeners from all over the world, we appreciate you. We have a great show planned for you today, one that may encourage you to pack your bags, put on your traveling shoes, and come to Bella Italia. Oh, I know, I know. You've already been. You've done the usual tour. Well, we're not going to talk about the usual stops. We plan to take you on a journey to see southern Italy, well, Rome and south, but in a special way, through Jewish eyes. I'm podcasting to you today from my mountaintop village called Serra Stretta. It's tucked into the mountains of Calabria, right here in the south of Italy, near the toe of the Italian boot. So I am right in the heart of our Jewish journey. Our podcast sponsor today is a group of friends of a wonderful man, Ken Sipser, who wants to honor his memory. Uh, He was just a fabulous man, they say. He was a mathematician, a professor, and a bal kore, which means he was a Torah reader who served several congregations from Boston to Florida. He was a kind and loving man, never one to toot his own horn. His friends say that he was the definition of a tzaddik, A Righteous Man, and they dedicate today's podcast, the Radio Rabbi Program, to Ken Sipser. May his memory be forever for a blessing. Thank you to all of Ken's friends, and if you would like to dedicate a Radio Rabbi Program in honor of a family Simcha or in memory of a loved one, we will give you details later on in the program. But first, let's take a trip. How about that? Let's do that right now. I want to start with some of my favorite places and one of them is the Jewish Museum of Rome. It's situated at the garden level of the Great Synagogue of Rome which is also known by its Italian name Tempio Maggiore and it offers information on the Jewish presence in Rome since the second century BCE. There's also a large collection of works of art produced by the Jewish community. Now Jewish artists were the very first in the world to create the decorative ketubot, the marriage document, and those would be the Jewish artists of Rome. And these ketubot are on display, and they're resplendent with gold leaf designs and just beautiful, delicate drawings of Jewish symbols, primarily the pomegranate and the peacock. The Jewish community in Rome is the oldest in Europe. The first Jewish settlers arrived directly from Judea and they came to the toe of the boot actually first and moved up north. They were ambassadors sent by the Maccabees in the second century BC to forge an alliance with the Roman Republic in defense against the Syrian king Antiochus. This military alliance quickly became a trading alliance too and the Jewish community grew on the west bank of the Tiber River in the Jewish quarter known as Trastevere. Trastevere. It derives from the Latin phrase Trans Tiberium which means beyond the Tiber River. Now much later on in 1555 the The Pope, who was currently uh, in, in power at the time, decreed that the Jews had to be segregated from the rest of the city, and then the walls of the ghetto were built. For over three centuries, Roman Jews were segregated from the rest of the city in an area closed by gates, locked at night. When the walls of the ghetto were torn down in the late 19th century, much of the area was rebuilt, most notably the new synagogue, the Tempio Maggiore. However, we can still find traces of the ghetto's history in inscriptions and alleyways, and there's a wonderful tour of Trastevere, an English-speaking tour, and uh, uh, I can send you some information if you would like to engage one of the wonderful tour guides to tell you all the specifics about this fascinating area that has some wonderful, restaurants too. But one thing that really touched my heart the last time I was I was in Rome I started learning a little bit more about the brass plates and the story behind the brass cobblestones of Rome. While a group of young school kids kick a soccer ball around in the Jewish ghetto their ball bounces over some of the Sam Pietrini They are cobblestones, but also on top of some of the brass cobblestones that have recently become ubiquitous in this neighborhood and in other parts of Rome. The top of the brass cobblestone is engraved and it reads, Here lived. These cobblestone-sized memorials are referred to as Stolpersteine, in German or literally translated as stumbling stones and are installed outside the last chosen place of residence of victims who were murdered in the Holocaust. There are over a dozen of these in the Jewish ghetto, and they are now part of the fabric of the neighborhood, just as the victims once were, who themselves probably kicked a soccer ball around or strolled with their relatives over the very same spot. Each plaque is detailed with the victim's first and last name, the date of birth, the date and place of deportation, and the date of death in a Nazi extermination camp. There are currently almost 200 of these stumbling stones installed all over Rome, and new stones are added every January to coincide with the January 27th date in 1945 when the Auschwitz death camp was liberated by the Russian army. We're going to go south now from Rome to Naples, and visitors can view churches that were once synagogues taken over by the Inquisition authorities when established Judaism was wiped down in the early 1500s. But now there are six distinct Jewish neighborhoods, Judeke as they're called, and they are still intact and visitors can tour through the ancient streets and find examples of ancient Jewish presence all throughout Naples. Well, we're going to go head further south to La Mezzia Taname, Nicastro, actually. That is my area. That's where I live. But before we do that, we have a, our special feature here on the Radio Rabbi program, the prayer for healing. And today we are praying for Rufua Shlema, for complete healing for Yvonne, Dennis, Sandy, Janine, Andrea, James and Andy. And now say aloud the names of your friends and family members who are ill and in need of Rifuish of, Lema of, of complete healing. Because when we do this, the is the taught that we are enlarging spiritual energy. So we will say, sing our song together, the beautiful Mishabarak prayer sung by Debbie Friedman of Blessed Memory. Let's listen. Let's sing, let's pray. me And that was the Misha Barak. And we are so pleased that we are able now to include that in our Radio Rabbi program podcast. Let's continue on our Jewish tour, Southern Italy Through Jewish Eyes as we continue now south from Naples. And you know you can take a wonderful train it's called Freccia Argento. It is a fast train and it goes from Naples to La Metzia Terme in just about two and a half hours. There are reserved seats, a dining car, a snack bar, and some of the most beautiful scenery you will ever see as, your tra- as the train travels along the Calabrian coast. Well when you get to Lemezia Terme, we look for the old Jewish quarter called Nicastro, and there we find we find Timpone. Timpone is a, is a an Italian word that means ridge, and the houses in Timpone are actually hanging off the hillside. Many of them go back centuries, and this area was protected by King Frederick II, who believed that the Jews were essential to the local economy. And really, they were, in the raising of silkworms, the making and dyeing of fabric, making leather goods, and wrought iron decorative balconies that you can see all throughout Timpone and are now historically preserved. As a matter of fact, the Italian surnames of Ferri, Pharaoh, Ferranti, Ferrari—they're all Jewish surnames—and they highlight the wrought iron craft coming from Spain, brought by the Jews, and then and settling in the Nicastro area and continuing this wonderful art form. As we walk up the hill, in Timponing, we see a boxy building. It's a church now, but it was once a Beit Knesset, a house of prayer a house of study and a house of assembly so that means it was a synagogue it is the of course the jewish people were the first ones to create a multi-use building and the concept was created by jewish people of course in jerusalem and judea and the church the synagogues that um, were taken over by the Inquisition authorities, often uh, took over took took over these buildings that are so characteristically um, a synagogue style. At the very front, you'll see a rose window, and you'll see three points of the six-pointed Magen David, the Star of David. Uh, remains. Many histor- local historians believe that back in the day when the synagogue was taken by the Catholic Church there was fear on the part of the Inquisition authorities that destroying all evidence of a Jewish presence would bring bad luck and so that it has become an art form throughout southern Italy where you can see a Magain David with three star- three points remaining and three rounded. In the little little quarter of Timpone, there are many friends, and if you ever come to visit, I would love to take you on a tour. We can meet people whose surnames are Taverna, Gallo, Cittadina. These are all Jewish surnames back in the day, and many of these people are just now discovering and embracing their Jewish roots. And now it's time to climb the mountain. Well, not on foot, but our visitors take a bus up a winding road. We say here in, the te- in Italy, Serpentuosa, to our little village of Serra Stretta, which is 3,000 feet above sea level. And it, it was founded as a small town by Jewish people who are running from a persecution in the village of Shiliano what happened was and this happened all over europe it's not something that is just specific to our area but there was an epidemic of some kind a um A um, a flu, maybe, of influenza or something else, and many, many people were dying, but the Jews were not dying in record numbers as the others were, and so many of the other townspeople believed that somehow or another the Jews had caused this particular epidemic or plague, when in reality, Jewish people in medieval times were washing their hands three times a day and having a ritual immersion uh, once a week on Fridays, and as a result, they were protected from disease much more so than were their non-Jewish neighbors. Five Jewish families decided to leave Shonyano when they heard rumors of of a persecution about to take place, and they went into the woods in this this mountainous area, and they camped there for more than two years, if you can imagine, sending scouting parties out to try to find an isolated area where they could make another town. Well, they did. They found Sarah Stretta and uh, the families, the families uh, Bruno, uh, Bruno and Bruni, my family are yellow, uh, Scalise, Gallo, Defazio. These were families that settled here, and created a strong Jewish presence that continued, that continued up until the time of the of the Inquisition. So if you come to my little town and you get off the bus, our first stop will be the cathedral. And this is a beautiful Catholic church that never had been a a synagogue, was built as a Catholic church. But many of the artisans who worked on it were those with Jewish roots. And so they kind of uh, celebrated their Jewish heritage, hiding in plain sight, if you will. When you walk inside the church and look up, you will see Moses holding the tablets of the Ten Commandments, surrounded by the prophets. And this is what is over the heads of the faithful, praying in the Catholic Church, hiding in plain sight. Our little synagogue, near to me del Sud, the eternal light of the South, is the first active synagogue in Calabria in five hundred years since Inquisition times. It is uh, Calabria, by the way, is the geographical size of this U- United States state of Virginia. So we are one uh, one, uh, one synagogue in a very, very Wide area. Uh, we are Sephardic. That means that our uh, bema is on the opposite wall from the ark, and the ark is on the Jerusalem wall. And our chairs are arranged in a square in uh, in the in the Sephardic tradition, where the rabbi often sat directly with the congregation and gave a sermon and asked questions and gathered comments from a sitting position as one of the fold. Uh, the, there is an, a, a cultural group called Italkit, and it is the first cultural group of Jewish people in the Diaspora. Uh, we know of the, the cultural groups Sephardic and Ashkenazi. And uh, what happened to Italkit? Well, it got absorbed, if you will, by, the Sephar, by Sephardic traditions, mainly because we're both situated in the Mediterranean and in the North Africa African area. If you come to our town, we'll be happy to show you our synagogue, our wonderful museum of Hanukkiot and mezuzot, and uh, and see a little bit, of, meet our our congregants too, which is really a treat. And um, uh, in dozens of our homes in this village, um, inside our courtyards, oftentimes hidden under a carpeting or sometimes even under tile, are our, our large Magen David stars of David. and and uh, these were put in the courtyard to signify a Jewish home. Let's stay in the mountains for just a while, okay? Because we can cross from Sarastretta to another mountain village called Tiriolo. And there we'll stop at a wonderful shop, Morella Leone's weaving shop called Tessel Art. Now she hand she does hand weaving of sharpe, which is the Italian word for scarves. And However, these sharpe are very interesting. Their origins are in the Jewish prayer shawl, the tallit. In other words, fibers are not mixed together, just as the Torah describes, and a thread of blue is woven into every garment, regardless of what the other colors might be. Her creations are not called called scarves, but Van Kale. Van Kale, a dialect word that evokes the embrace of God. Now if we go back down the mountain and we then travel down the coast, we can um, we can we can end up in a wonderful small town called Bova Marina. It is an archaeological site, and it provides another link to the hidden Jewish heritage of our area. It was in the tiny village of Bova Marina, where, after the collapse of a portion of the highway, the autostrada, archaeologists stumbled upon the most important evidence of Calabria's ancient Jewish presence, a 4th century uh, CE synagogue. Under the guidance of archaeologist Enrico Tromba, who is a good friend of mine, a mosaic featured a menorah, a shofar, and a lulav have been dated and preserved as evidence of what was once a thriving Jewish community at the crossroads of trade and culture. The Bova Marina Synagogue is the second oldest synagogue uncovered in Italy and one of the very oldest in all of Europe. Now, would you like to take a boat ride? I hope you do, because that's the only way that you can get to Sicily. And uh, you cross the Straits of Messina from the mainland Italy to the island of Sicily. That means if you're on a bus, the bus goes on the ferry. That means if you're in a car, the car goes on the ferry. That means if you're a pedestrian, you walk onto the ferry. And if you're on the train, the train goes on the ferry too. And it crosses right from uh, Villa San Giovanni over over a 20-minute ride over the the beautiful Mediterranean, the Straits of Messina. And, uh, and, And there you really find a gateway into Sicily's Jewish past. If you go south, you can head to the island of Ortigia, which is often referred to as Old Syracusa. And uh, it, it, there's a wonderful wealth of Jewish heritage there. The Jewish quarter is well defined. It features one of Europe's most important ancient Jewish sites, a remarkably preserved ritual bath, which is called a mikveh. There are five separate pools that make up the mikveh. They date from the 6th century, and the entire mikveh was in use until the Jews were expelled in the mid 1500s. The mikveh in Syracusa on the island of Ortigia is the oldest mikveh in all of Europe we had a wonderful historian join us his name is um, Antonio Scalise and he shares a hidden Anusim heritage and he guided us through Termina Termina is a mountain village that once, was once a home to a thriving Jewish community now prior to the inquisition there were more than 100,000 Jews living in 52 different towns and villages in Sicily Now in the 1300s, Jews endured discriminatory laws regulations, and burdensome taxes. At this time, uh, Jews in Terramina were forced to live in a, in special neighborhoods, once again called the Judeca, and in 1492, the Jews of Terramina, like other Jews and communities throughout Sicily, were forced to submit to Christian baptism, or with their property confiscated and driven from the island they often went into hiding. Tiramina's Jewish presence takes the form of Magain David or Stars of David on buildings all throughout the city and even in the little mountain village above Tiramina, Castel Moro, which is uh, where, where you'll find a church with seven Magain David um, uh, rose windows. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, we are so pleased that uh, in June we will host a wonderful tour led by Tara Abram. Tara is a can- is a cantorial soloist, a cantor, and uh, she's from Ontario, Canada, and she's bringing a group of 24 people who will spend two days with us, enjoying Kabbalat Shabbat and Shachrit Shabbat in the morning as well, and uh, as well as uh, a wonderful. Italian Jewish oneg, and a trip to a trip to Timpone too. So, uh, if you'd like to uh, be part of a tour, just let me know. You can always find me at www.rabbibarbara.com, rabbibarbara.com, and you can dedicate a program. As a matter of fact, just uh, write me an email. Or uh, go on, my, uh, my email is rabbi at rabbibarbara.com, but go on my website, rabbibarbara.com. Click on uh, Dedicating a Program. You can do that, and we will be very happy to dedicate a podcast to your family or your uh, loved one, as we dedicated one today to Ken Sipser of Blessed Memory. And uh, thank you so much for listening. It is wonderful to have you with us, and we will see you next time. Bye now, The Radio Rabbi is a pluralistic program. Now what do we mean by that? Well, reform or progressive, orthodox or reconstructionist. Maybe you're conservative or renewal, humanistic, Ashkenazi or Sephardic like me. Are you part of the same community? That means you might be crypto-Jewish, Moranos or Conversos. Are you a cultural a secular, or even a gastronomical Jew. You know what? We're all part of the Mishbucha, part of a worldwide, wonderful Jewish family. As we say to you, welcome home. This is Rabbi Barbara Aiello, your radio rabbi. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.